So, hi, I'm Gavin Lennox. Um, I'm here today at the New Zealand Sock Company, and it's a pleasure to have um, the, the family founders and owners and managers in, in the room with me, uh, Ewan Sparrow, Paul Sparrow, and Gabriel Sparrow. Have I got your names right? Yes, you yeah. Thanks. So, what, what would be really useful is um, a number of people have heard of the New Zealand Sock Company, but maybe you could just give a quick overview of, of the company. Well, we, we come from a retail background and our retail business is still here in Ashburton in apparel. It's been going for 137 years and um, Dad and I bought the New Zealand Sock Company back in 1980 and have grown it from uh, six staff and 12 machines to 50 staff and 60 machines uh, with new plants still coming on the water. Um, we started off doing school socks, rugby socks and every work sock which is imaginable. However, we have uh, more focus now on the outdoor industry, domestically and offshore, with people like Kathmandu embracing our company, um, and now they're our largest customer. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really merino wool that we use, um, and mixed with other fibres, but uh, we do have some secret recipes, so to speak, so we call ourselves engineers of the sock. Because anybody can make a sock, but the way ours are engineered and the yarns we're using is giving, are giving us huge um, um, potential offshore and it gives us something different mm. to everybody else. So it's exciting times. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I've seen, I've used your socks uh, outdoors and um, they, do really, they do really make a difference. Yeah. So uh, I know a number of uh, I know Paul. You've done the owner manager program. I don't know. Yes. I don't know you and you haven't. Yes. You have been involved. Yes, the yes. I did. I think before you were born, way <laughs> back in two thousand. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm older than I look. Yeah. No. Way back in two thousand and five, I did owner manager team. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. That's funny enough. Where I first heard of it, or, or learned of its openings there, when I saw Dad go through the program. Right. And and uh, Gabriel, you haven't done it yet. No. Okay. Yes. Well, we'll get you on the list. Don't worry, Hayman's here. Yeah. Um, and how? So, in two thousand and five, you 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 bought the business with your dad. Some. Um, oh, no, no, we bought the business forty years ago. For, Sorry, two uh, in nineteen eighty. So right. So quite a while. Nineteen eighty. Yes. So what? Uh, if you if you looked at what happened on the owner manager program before and after, were were there any transformations in either you or the business? Huge. I mean, I was. Unfortunately, I was 52 when I did it because we'd always heard about it, but I battled on prior to the rest of all those years mm -hmm. uh, with very little education, so to speak, and basically a street fighter. And uh, the owner managers program took the company and myself to a whole new level, not only in a business reaction, but also in a personal uh, change of life. I wish I'd done it when I was in my 20s or 30s, mm -hmm. and I just think that um, it was the best thing that ever happened to, to, my, to, my, to me and the company. The tell us, um, tell us what what you really took out of it. Were there one or two nuggets or transformational things you know that you took out of it that then you applied to the company? Yeah, I think governance was the main thing. Mm -hmm. um, that we then we changed um, our accountant, we changed our board, uh, and we brought some um, really good people on the board that were perhaps not so aligned to the industry, but had some other fantastic skills, which has taken us to a new level. Mm. And um, that was the most, I think the governance was the biggest thing. And talking to other people um, who were, you know, SMEs also, who had the, were for the same problems. Right. Uh, um, and I guess mine was really a lack of um, 
the skills to take this company to the next level. Right. And I managed to obtain those through ICETs. Oh, that's great. I know that one of the things that I'm hearing on the road trip is is the the network that people mm. connect with, yep. and how lonely it can be as a owner operator. You know, you're in the business focused on making it successful, mm -hmm. but sharing experiences with other people who are in similar places, mm. maybe maybe are more advanced to you, maybe less advanced, mm -hmm. and then sharing those experiences. Is that is that a common thing? Yeah, totally. And I think Paul could probably talk about that because we've just had all his friends down here from his course oh, okay. visit yeah. us. So do you want to Yeah, <coughs> absolutely. So I um we noted uh, owner manager forty nine, we obviously had a pretty disjointed uh, session because I think we started in February and we didn't finish until November, I think it was, during right. COVID. I remember that because um, I think I I started in February and I think I, yes. I, I my first owner manager was was talking to to yes, you guys. It was. Yep. And um, during that time, uh, I think we've got a very special group because we all connected, um, and to this day we still email and chat on a weekly basis. Mm. And we've actually organised our first. Um, outside Ice House get together again. We're all heading to Queenstown for a few days uh, with some guest speakers and um, doing all that. So it really shows the, I think, the importance of different people but in the same boat, um, sharing your ideas and thoughts. That's really good. And what, what are the Paul? What are the things that you took out of of the uh, the program that you'd apply here? Um, well, personally, probably similar, bit similar to Dad, um, but uh, lots of personal growth, um, mm -hmm. understanding. How he's been in his shoes right. and the reasons we've made decisions and, and why that's been. Um, but also assurance that um, not only myself but the business and the people around us are all heading in the right direction. Mm. Um, implementing things in the business. Um, oh, where do I start? <laughs> you can't. You can't come in and just change the book overnight. No. So I've just been slowly starting to implement some things over time. Talk about culture here. What? How would you describe the the culture you've built and uh, where do you see it going? We've got a, a, really, a really diverse culture. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got people from all over the world, and uh, we're all, always very accommodating um, with any of their religion and things that they have going on. But what's worked for us is that we're a family, so we'll try to include them in our family as well. Mm -hmm. So when you have um, staff functions, it's uh, wives and partners and children will come along. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Christmas parties have bouncy castles, and uh, it's it's always been really. Really, really open. Mm. You guys have anything? I think we've got the open door policy as well with our staff, so mm. they can come up and speak to any one of us or any of the other management staff and not feel like there's going to be a door shut, and that can kind of make people uncomfortable when they don't feel they can come and talk to you. So mm. I think we've got a really good culture out there that there's res mutual respect between the factory floor, our operators, and what we call in our whip area, right up through to the office mm. management staff, which I think is really important. Mm. They've really pushed the family culture type of things and uh, growing that more recently, um, which I can talk about later, but um, that's really made a big difference to um, how we think. Mm. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, Ewan, was international expansion, So, um, and Gabriel, I think you're responsible for international sales. It's really important for New Zealand companies to to grow internationally, you know, it's part mm. of our challenge is productivity. Yeah as a nation and, and we have a relatively small market here in New Zealand. Maybe you could talk around how you approached international markets and where you see the opportunities. Well it's certainly changed how we've approached it over the years. So when I first stepped into um, learning about the export side of the business and I went over and did some trade shows in Munich, 
we actually did the trade show. So we had a booth set up um, with a, another company from Christchurch and they allowed us to rent some of their space. And I mean, that's hard work standing on a in, a in a massive hall for four days and trying to be nice to people and sell your product when everyone in the same row is trying to sell socks as well. So trying to point out to everyone walking past why they should be buying your product. Um, from there, after I think it was three years we exhibited, we decided to pull out and then go in as um, just individuals or walk around and then cold call really on brands that we wanted to work with or we saw aligning ourselves with and that's probably worked for us. So from Europe we then decided to try and do that in the States. Um, trying to sell yourself, it used to be an easy sell being clean green New Zealand but now you have to offer more than that. So we're in the process now of not rebranding New Zealand Sock Company, but diving into looking at the different personas of who we sell our product to. Mm -hmm. So nailing that down, we can then start approaching other brands and customers that you may buy the same sock as Gavin, but you're gonna be wearing it for different activities. So just sort of breaking that down and then being able to give a client exactly what they need and tell them why they need it, and then tell them that they should get it from us because X, Y, Z. And your intent is not to build a, a, a retail brand, is that correct? And you're mostly sort of selling through like Kathmandu and other, other yeah, sort yes. of suppliers yes. that, are, that are focused on those personas you mentioned? Definitely for the export market. So we align ourselves with um, brands that have similar values to us and without saturating the market. So in the States, for example, we're um, with a hunting brand. So that's kind of covered that market. We're in development with an outdoor performance brand. Mm -hmm. We've been talking to a golf brand. So we don't want to be everything to everybody. Um, so that is manufacturing for other brands, but using our IP and our technologies, mm -hmm. so it still comes back to New Zealand Sock Company. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the brands we're working with retell the story and say that these socks are made in New Zealand by New Zealand Sock Company. Okay, so, so there is that powered, by, powered mm -hmm. by New Zealand Socks. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously our brand is well known throughout New Zealand, and so we'll continue to have the NZ Sock Co brand through New Zealand. Um, but pushing it for that export market as a technology company versus a sock company. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So um, you're, you're obviously a, a very successful family-run business that's grown significantly and sees significant opportunity for growth. What, what advice would you give other small-medium business owners? Uh, what, what one or two things do you think you would offer to them um, that would help them in their journey. I know it's difficult because you know you're yeah. you're in a specific niche. But what what we've actually found is that there's a lot of similarities between the core business skills and people skills. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you would offer other SMEs um, in this market? Well, I think I think number one, the first thing is they they should go on an ICS course. <laughs> yeah, and, and I know that's um, that. I think that's number one. And I harp back to when I first did it. Um, I wish I'd done it, as I said earlier, in my 20s and 30s. I can't have been in a different space again. But um, I look around our own town and other friends I've got who haven't done it. I keep talking about it. Mm. But until they do it, they don't realise what opportunities lies ahead for them as well. Right. Well, so, is it to do, Eamon? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it is. And, I, and Gabrielle and I will be doing it as soon as she can. Because right. um, otherwise, and I look when we first did it. Uh, my wife thought I was on steroids, um, and, and I think David Irving at the time had to take the woman aside and say, look, you know, your husband is fizzed up because this is something new. Right. And um, 
you know, they quieten down after a while, realise how much better we'd be by doing the courses. Yeah. Mm. And Paul, anything that you, you would sort of say to, to other owner-managers? You must have spoken to a bunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I personally got the impression that a lot of people were um, resting on their previous success. Mm. So I think what ICS does is what Dad says, it gives you an injection of confidence and uh, direction. And they don't rest on their laurels and they're always looking to continually improve their own business and themselves. Um, not only that, the people around them mm. to do with that. So I think that was number one for me. But yeah, absolutely anyone I think should go on that ICS course. Well look, I really, uh, we really appreciate your time and your support. Um, and thank you, thank you for doing this podcast. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin.